Welcome to Conversations of the Quantum Age. I'm Marlene Caldas, bringing you conversation with the foremost writers and metaphysicians of our time. For information on guests, events, or books discussed on the show, call us anytime at 1-800-555-7070. That's 1-800-555-7070. Our guest today is Dr. Deepak Chopra, best-selling author of numerous nonfiction and fiction books, among them Quantum Healing, Return of Merlin. He is the educational director of the Chopra Center for Well-Being in La Jolla, California. And in addition to his numerous television appearances, Deepak has toured worldwide speaking on his work and his ultimate goal, which is to expand the way we see ourselves and in the process our world, which he says is a most valuable personal asset in a rapidly evolving and challenging universe. And I am inclined to agree with him. Among other topics, we will be talking about Deepak's new book, The Path to Love, Renewing the Power of Spirit in Your Life. Welcome, Deepak. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it so. You have written so profusely and so eloquently, I might add, on so many subjects, from the physical to the metaphysical, Deepak, and you've achieved a level of far-reaching popularity. So obviously, the world is ready for a conversation such as yours. And I don't perceive that this is uh, a sudden, uh, their receptivity is, is sudden, do you? <laughs> no, I think we're gradually reaching a critical mass of people who want to explore uh, that domain of their awareness, which we all call the spirit, which is really universal. And thanks to communication these days, if the idea strikes people, then it spreads fast very rapidly. You know, your range of subjects, um, they, they point to an, uh, an ability to articulate how life is for you. Because when I look at the list of your books, you're not just talking about one area. You seem to be talking about all the areas of our lives, from the intellectual to the physical to the spiritual and to, of course, the emotional. And it seems that your journey in your life is about you experience and bringing that balance in, into your life. Your, your new book, The Path to Love, doesn't seem to be like any of the other books that you've written. And and yet it is an extension of the other work I've done. I mean, I've always been interested in mind-body healing, and my initial motivation for writing The Path to Love was um, the very fact that love heals and love uh, makes people feel safe and love inspires them to do great things. Um, those ideas um, were the dominant ideas when I started writing the book and you know there are lots of scientific studies <coughs> that show that either giving love or receiving it actually causes uh, remarkable biological changes if you're watching Mother Teresa on television and mm. she's embracing children with leprosy that act of watching her on TV stimulates your immune system, your IgA levels, which is uh, immunoglobulin in your body secretions, goes up very significantly. And uh, so watching Mother Teresa on television is good for your immune system. Mm -hmm. There are many studies that show that uh, 
In cases of heart attack, if you call a patient up once a week on the phone after they're discharged and just tell them you're thinking of them, then the post-infarction mortality will drop significantly. In cases of breast cancer, when women offer loving support to each other, um, their survival doubles. So that was the initial motivation for writing the book. And as I started to write it, of course, uh, I realized that even romantic love is um, a surrender to the mystery of our spirit. And that uh, that's the missing ingredient uh, frequently in our relationship. And if you bring back spirit into um, the whole area of relationship, then uh, we have a much more divine relationship in a sense and brings us closer to God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I had been reading your book, Path to Love, one of the things that reminded me of was a uh, Tai Chi master that I had studied with many years ago. He used to speak about moving in the Tai Chi movements as if we were in a pool of water without making a ripple. And uh, the nature of the Path to Love feels that way to me. It seems to flow so beautifully from the deepest part of yourself. A family, say, a man and a woman, been married eight or nine years Maybe they have two or three children, very busy. They both have full-time jobs. Uh, they have financial worries. They have mortgages. They have so much to think about, to be afraid of, uh, to put their attention to. Uh, they fall into bed at night. Uh, they don't have any time for intimacy with each other, or they're just too tired. Where does a family, where does a couple, where does an individual begin at that point in their lives to renew the spirit well, that will know, open them. Say that you don't have time for love or time for each other is like saying you don't have time for breakfast or don't have time to go to sleep or to the bathroom or brush your teeth. It's one of those <clears throat> very essential experiences that makes us alive. And if one says, well, we're too tired for that, then that's a real shame, I think, uh, to start with that premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, one uh, has to question one's priorities and, and not uh, be completely at the mercy of a psychotic society um, that says that you have time to work, but you don't have time for, um, for love. I mean, why do you work anyway? Because in the end, you want happiness. And why do you make money anyway? Because the ultimate goal of all goals, you think, mm-hmm. is fulfillment. But if you're not getting that then there is certainly something wrong with their priorities. I think in in an ongoing relationship, three things are very important, and these are equality, sensitivity, and communication. Equality means that in any relationship, we are always uh, clear that we are equals. We may be different, but we are always equal. At the level of spirit, no one is superior or inferior. Sensitivity implies the ability to listen to another person's emotions, and emotions by nature are conflicting and confusing and paradoxical and contradictory. Even though (coughs) uh, we pretend to be creatures of rationality, by and large we are creatures that bristle with emotions, and when we are unable to understand the contradictory and paradoxical nature of emotions, then that also makes us very unloving. And finally, there is communication, particularly of fear and vulnerability. If I can um, do those three things, if I can consider you my equal, 
if I can be comfortable in the contradiction of your emotional experience and if I can tell you what I'm afraid of then I have connected with you on the level of spirit mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to show the deepest part of ourselves and to express it from uh, an internal condition rather than what we surround ourselves with right. you know I found it very interesting that in your book you had talked about uh, how our, our society is, is stuck in the bottom two chakras <laughs> the sex and the survival that, that, that dominate our awareness they and do in a sense and they have never been integrated <coughs> with our higher levels of awareness when in many of the Eastern traditions, actually, the bottom chakras, when they're integrated with the upper chakras, and that's where the heart comes in, then they give life a holistic experience. Uh, and even sexuality is considered, in many Eastern traditions, a means to enlightenment. The peak experiences of uh, sexuality are ones that are characterized by an the timeless uh, naturalness, a loss of ego, surrender, communion, and defenselessness. So one can see that all experience, including intimacy and sexuality, are in fact uh, experiences of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that uh, maybe why the world is so receptive to this conversation besides the fact that Deepak you have such a beautiful way of languaging in a contemporary way where it's far removed from the buzzwords and and the things the old medieval connections that people have it's just so contemporary and so easy for people to understand I'm beginning to see that perhaps we are at a point in our lives when you talked a little about the critical mass that we have an opportunity when we talk about the lower chakras and the higher chakras integrate or the lower self and the high self integrating, we look at our opportunity that maybe we came here to stand or to learn how to stand on the very fine edge between the material world and the spiritual world and enjoy the best of both of them. Well, perhaps <coughs> as we grow in our own awareness, we will ultimately recognize that the material and the spiritual are the same thing, that everything that is material is in fact an offspring of the spiritual that's to divide things into the absolute and the relative, into the transcendent and the immanent, into the spiritual and the material may be uh, something that uh, is really artificial. <laughs> we experience the same reality mm-hmm. outwardly as, as matter and inwardly as spirit, but there are two aspects of the same thing that the noumenon and the phenomenon are in fact the same. My guest today is Dr. Deepak Chopra. We've been discussing his new book, The Path to Love, Renewing the Power of Spirit in Your Life, published by Harmony Books. (laughs) 
Welcome to Conversations of the Quantum Age. I'm Marlene Caldas, bringing you conversations with the foremost writers and metaphysicians of our time. For information on guests, events, or books discussed on the show, call anytime at 1-800-555-7070. Today we continue our conversation with Dr. Deepak Chopra about his new book, The Path to Love, Renewing the Power of Spirit in Your Life. In our last segment, we discussed the profuse and eloquent level of Deepak's work and how it reflects his own evolution as well as the positive effects of love and spirit on the body's ability to heal itself. And we continue that conversation now. So I want to go back to that point where you had mentioned uh, how our immune system um, expands or is healed or is brought more light. Our immune cells are constantly, in a sense, eavesdropping on our internal dialogue. There are receptors on our immune cells right. <laughs> or neuropeptides, which are secreted by the brain mm-hmm. in response to emotional states. So if you're having an experience of uh, delight and joy and creativity and fulfillment and also, therefore, of love, then your immune cells are stimulated to produce uh, immunoglobulins which help you fight cancer and infection. Mm -hmm. And this happens when you're giving love or receiving it. When you uh, take um, rabbits and you feed them diets with high cholesterol, if you cuddle them before you do that, then their cholesterol level doesn't go up because Mm -hmm. their um, neuropeptides that are secreted with that experience transfer the cholesterol into a different metabolic pathway. Mm -hmm. Similarly, premature infants, when they are loved and stroked and touched, they gain 49% more weight per day, even if they're fed on exactly the same formula. Mm -hmm. So many, uh, many studies now do show that caring and loving and uh, and, and actually even physical touch uh, will influence um, your growth rate, your hormonal balance, your immune system. And this is true of humans, this is true of animals. When a dog licks its puppy, the puppy's growth factors and growth hormone levels go up. It's even true of giving loving attention to plants. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, uh, we, we all have a lot more control than we think over developing what I would call an inner glow for ourselves. That even Absolutely. I mean, uh, the fact is that usually we seem to be in a mindset that says, you know, we are victims of situations, circumstances, people, and things. When in fact, uh, if you understand that everything that happens to us in our life is a result of the vibratory frequency of our own spirit. Mm-hmm then we look inward and begin to influence those vibrations that we constantly, in a sense, discharge into the universe of vibrations. Mm -hmm. As we do that, then we alter the circumstances and people and situations that come into our lives. Mm -hmm. One time, I I really don't like to watch television that much, but I had turned on one of the public stations and I had an opportunity to watch you speak uh, I think it was the Seven Laws of Success uh, program that you had done and I was it was late at, at night and I was thinking isn't this wonderful to fall asleep with something positive on one's mind uh, we are so driven by our technology and there isn't really in our culture television is so prevalent uh, first of all as an advertising tool second
second of all, I don't think people realize how detrimental it is to their entire being, their immune systems. Yet, yet science in itself is neutral. You know, television by itself is neutral. It depends on us how we use it. We can use it to educate and inspire and motivate mm -hmm. people, or we can use it to fill their heads with trash. Mm -hmm. so as right. our collective psyche evolves, hopefully the media that we call television will in fact be helpful in creating that critical mass of people mm -hmm. who are interested in their, uh, the evolution of consciousness. And if that happens, we'll certainly live in a different world. Right now, we have an amazing amount of hatred and prejudice and, and violence and bigotry and uh, ethnocentrism and racism in our society. And uh, yet, uh, if you really recognize how influential media is, then we could be using the media to get rid of these, uh, these uh, diseases that plague our civilization. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's uh, one of the most important parts that I see in, in the bigger picture that, that you play and that people like yourself play, Carolyn Mace and some of the other uh, writers who are stepping forward. I think that we do have uh, an expanded conversation going on. We have more books. We have more tools. Uh, certainly when you can turn on the TV late at night and get something that is uplifting to come into your heart, there is what I would call the cosmic hole seems to be getting bigger in right. technology to welcome in I this think conversation. It's part of a collective uh, transformation that's going on, and uh, we are grateful that we have the privilege to be part of it. I have a great deal of gratitude to be able to be in an era of our time where this becomes a much bigger conversation and that if people are going to be having conversations, it is about coming to this place of recognizing something higher in themselves right. and coming to that higher consciousness. You had talked about, um, you know, what, what it would take to end a war with compassion. And you had said in your book that the answer is actually quite simple, that human beings will act out of their higher nature when they become complete. In right, what way? Wars exist because we agree to uh, have wars. Um, and there's a Vedic expression that says when we are completely and totally and utterly defenseless, then all beings around us cease to feel hostility. Mm -hmm. And that's... Um, true of a person, but it's also true of a society. Um, but it takes a while to evolve to that level, mm -hmm. and not everybody is secure in the notion that defenselessness makes you invincible. Mm -hmm. But uh, I had a conversation with Mr. Gorbachev uh, a year ago, and he said that is exactly what they did at a certain phase um, um, uh, in their dialogue with the Mr. Bush, uh, Mr. Gorbachev said to Mr. Bush, you know, I'm going to do something really terrible to you. I'm going to deprive you of an enemy. He said, we laid down our arms, and now we're so much better off. <laughs> I think he's right, and it, it makes me think about what happens on a very personal, very individual level for each of us, perhaps when our body kicks out on us or we become vulnerable or go through some dark night of the soul or deep illness. It's right. almost as if we are laid plain. We are, we are opened up and completely defenseless, and that is when we have the best opportunity to learn or to bring light into our lives. Right. I think it's interesting that Gorbachev said that to Bush. Uh, he, we have been deprived. I think the, that everybody's confused now because there's yeah, no great enemy. What, <laughs> what did you say? I said they don't know what to do without an enemy. 
That's right. They are, are used to being in that, what did you call it? I think you referred it to the old dark house of fear. Yeah, it's, it's our old paradigm which says we always have to fight. But the fact is when we do become defenseless, then we become, in a sense, um, very powerful because there's nothing to attack. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost as if everyone has gotten I used to... We spend to a lot of our energy um, in defending a point of view. It doesn't mean that you don't have a point of view, but when you're rigidly attached to defending it, then that really, really takes up a lot of energy. Absolutely. You know, we uh, are so used to uh, being almost in that fear and that negative place that we are actually probably getting to a place of being tired of the fear management. I mean, right. so we're so busy managing the garbage right. that um, we haven't really had time to put ourselves towards some higher place, some some level of peace, and I think that we are beginning to see that turn now. Yeah, because if you look at all the other goals that we have, whether it's making money or having a relationship or a good job or security, Ultimately, what we're really seeking is peace, harmony, and laughter, and love. And if we put our attention to those as the primary goals of life, then everything else will be more fulfilling as we do it even. Deepak, you've been so mainstream in the beginning. You know, as a physician, you held, you know, position of the chief of, chief of staff at New England's Memorial Hospital. You taught at Tufts University and Boston University Schools of Medicine. Have you been able to maintain the relationships that you had at that time once you moved in the direction of personal growth and out of the confines of only the mechanical, physical aspect of medicine? To some extent I have, but you know, relationships like anything else um, evolve and if people are evolving at different stages um, in their life, then some relationships do fall uh, apart, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and one can't be too rigidly attached to that. But my family and I have always had a very strong bond and so as far as our personal relationships and the family has been, we've all sort of thought the same things. If we hadn't, it would have been problem, mm-hmm. problematic, but we have, and therefore it's been extremely fortunate for us that even as I had to uh, go through certain trials and tribulations and mm-hmm. uh, criticism from my professional colleagues, at least I always had my family behind me. Mm-hmm. And so, Deepak, you live in a state of love, do you not? Yes, I do. <laughs> My guest today is Deepak Chopra, author of many nonfiction and fiction books. Today we've talked about his new book, The Path to Love, Renewing the Power of Spirit in Your Life. This book is published by Harmony Books. Dr. Deepak Chopra steps forward with a gift to all of us. He seems to be driven by the fulfillment of his own destiny, and he reinforces that idea in his new book, A Path to Love. I don't think there is none in the world so greatly beloved as the messenger of love because love is the material of this web of life that ties us all together 
What I love about what's happening now with his work is that it is possible for him, this author, to attain, uh, you know, a great status in our society, but not to put him on a pedestal and to make him better or higher than ourselves. But what is wonderful about the fact that Deepak is with us and in our world and writing this work so articulately is that he is a reflection, he is a hologram of what is possible for all of us to attain. He is us, we in the web of life, we are all one. It has been said so many times in so many different ways. And in spite of our driven economies and our age of technology, it really comes down to this. Ask for what you want. All you need is love. And you know who said that. For Conversations of the Quantum Age, I'm Marlene Caldas, Deepak. Thank you very, very much, Thank you very much. for joining us today. To, I hope to see you um, in San Francisco. You certainly will. Mahalo and aloha. Aloha. Conversations of the Quantum Age is produced by Marlene Caldas, clairvoyant metaphysician, business and personal advisor, and creator of the Intention Map Method of Personal Success. Known worldwide for her remarkable accuracy, Marlene has assisted thousands of individuals in their journey towards prosperity and self-discovery. Conversations is underwritten by Tarot by Telephone, Marlene's personal consulting service. To schedule a private session with her by phone, call toll-free 1-800-555-7070. That's 1-800-555-7070.